Hey, welcome to the Happy Ranch Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, we are the hardest working men in show business in the sense that we have dispatched even with uh, intro and outro music uh, for this episode so that we can get it right to the consumer uh, so that you can dial in and listen to this uh, before tonight's round two and three coverage of the NFL draft. So this is a draft recap episode. Uh, we are going to walk you through everything that happened in the first round, some great players that are still available, uh, and lots of other things as well. So, Pipe, let's get right into this content, man. I know you are a, uh, a an aficionado of all things draft, as I am. We had uh, we we were burning up the text airways last night as this thing went down. Let's talk about this QB class. I mean, this is kind of the the big headline. We had all the QBs go in the first round. What's your take on who d- who did well, who got a good fit? Um, and, and what are some, some picks you like QB wise and picks you don't like? Well, I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with the number one overall pick Baker Mayfield yeah. because, you know, cause he's number one overall and it, it was a bit of a surprise to many people because, well, cause Cleveland hadn't tipped their hand at all. Right. And I, I think that the, the consensus was it was either going to be Sam Darnold or maybe Josh Allen. Those were the rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like the Baker Mayfield pick for him. Like, I think I would have liked Darnold more, yeah, uh, because he yeah. feels like more of a sure bet. Yep. But I maybe it's just that I love players with a lot of swagger. I do I, too. But I kind of like Baker Mayfield, and I kind of feel like he's enough of just a hard-headed, egotistical yeah. guy, like competitive egotistical, not not you know Johnny Manziel egotistical. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, to to overcome the Cleveland, you know, malaise. Yeah, I like this pick too, Pipe. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the Cleveland malaise. I think they were looking for a culture pick as much as anything. And, I mean, that franchise needs a total reset. And they need a guy who's alpha enough to to swagger in there on day one and change the culture in their building. And, and I think he is that guy. Love the pick compared to Josh Allen. Um, I'm so glad that Josh Allen to Cleveland talk um, – you know, abated sometimes last sometime last week, and and they were able to move past that. Now, can can I ask pipe, you a quick question? Is yeah, there anyone yeah. in the first round, any team in the first round that you would have been like, that's a like, Josh Allen was a good pick. No, zero teams. Yeah, see, honestly, to me, gosh, zero he, teams. He would have had to go third round or later. I was going to say middle of the second round or later, but yeah, you know, even yeah. second round, it's like there's there's a lot of starters in the second round. He's not a starter. Absolutely. He's not even a project. He's Dude, just no, a he's bust. Not. He's a bust with a huge arm. He's Kyle Bowler. He's uh, he's JP Lossman. Yes. Remember this player out of yeah. Tulane? I mean, yep. actually, the, the Lossman comparison is really apt because they played at a similar level, and you know they both looked the part. They both had huge arms. I feel um, so bad for Buffalo fans because dude, they, I feel they're terrible so, for Buffalo they're fans. They're so like committed and rabid and down on their luck and they haven't had a good quarterback since Jim Kelly. I mean, I think they've had some yeah. okay years here and there, but just nothing. Sure. sure. And this is the guy who I mean, they they could have had Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson, both of whom I think will be quality NFL starters with the potential of being elite. Dude, and they got yeah, it, this guy. I totally agree. And let, let's talk about that. There's more I want to say in the Bills because I actually love their second pick in the first round, but we'll get there in a minute. All right. Um, I loved Arizona trading up to get Josh Rosen. I think this was a, a punk rock move in all the best ways. Um, they saw an opportunity. They jumped on it. Um, 
you know, as much as I like Baker Mayfield and I do, and as much as I love Lamar Jackson and I, and I do, um, you know, Rosen, as we've discussed, maybe the safest pick at quarterback. He's mm-hmm. probably the most ready to step in and play. Um, you know, he takes the keys to an offense that still has, you know, some parts. I mean, there, there's still some people in, in Arizona who can do some things. And, um, you know, I think it's a good culture fit for Rosen, too. Um, you know, I like that market for him. I, I, I just like the fit. I think the fact that he dropped to 10 is the best thing Arizona, Arizona has going for him, too. Because if he had gone to, like, the Jets at 3, yeah, I think he would be a good quarterback. But yeah. the fact that he's pissed off yeah. that he dropped is going to, like, that's going to, I think that adds an edge of focus. Like, you know, the one of the big knocks on him was a lack of focus. Like, his mind is yeah. just sort of, He's a, you know, a high functioning guy whose mind goes to lots of places. Well, this is going to sure. laser focus him on being really good, I think. And so, yeah. yeah, the the only downside to that pick was not for Arizona. Great pick for them. Yeah. Is for him in that they're they're in rebuild mode. Larry Fitzgerald yeah. is still productive, but he's probably only has a year or two left. Sure. Um great running back, mediocre offensive line, not a lot of other weapons. So they they have some work to do to support him, but yeah. I think that's a great I think that's going to be a great pick for them for the next you know two you know what ten years two contracts. Yep, two contracts. He's going to be he's going to be a really really solid player, and and you know I think he will have the best rookie year of of all these guys. You know, and it remains to be seen who's going to get on the field. Really, I, I mean think Buffalo. If if Lamar Jackson unseats Joe Flacco, he's going to have the best rookie year. I agree, man, but I I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm such I'm such not a Ravens fan. You know, yeah. nothing about the Ravens excites me. And there were like there were like ten teams that I wanted Lamar to go to, all of whom would have been exciting for me in some way. Like Lamar to Jacksonville was a fascinating narrative to me. Um, Lamar to New England was a fascinating narrative. Lamar to New Orleans. So okay, so when New Orleans mortgaged the farm to move up, I thought for sure they were going to grab Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. and they went with. Uh, a small school pass rusher who is very athletic but very raw, um, has absolutely no plan when he rushes the passer, but has won on talent. Um, to I, be I fair, think that was... he only had eight sacks last year against bad competition. He didn't yeah. win that often. He didn't win that often. Exactly, exactly. So, dude, the whole Lamar falling thing was fascinating to me. Um, I'm not shocked because – as we've discussed ad nauseum, people in this kind of tradition-laden world of, of NFL player evaluation just kind of have no idea what they're looking at year after year, which, you know, which is proven by the fact that Josh Allen, you know, goes in the top 10 and, and yeah. Lamar Jackson waits until 32. Like, nobody knows anything, Pipe, is the thing. Yeah, about quarterbacks, that's true. Here's the thing that I think is going to happen with, with Lamar Jackson. Now, we have said on multiple podcasts, just, just unabashed adoration of this player but he fell to 30 because of people's love of tradition you know who else is a starting quarterback because of people's love of tradition true. joe flacco who sucks <laughs> that's true joe flacco that's is true. a terrible nfl quarterback he, yeah he wasn't good when the ravens were good yeah he was supported by good players yeah, now the was... ravens aren't good and he's really really not good yeah that's it and that's so it's, it. you got you get this clash in one team of what could be if we had a creative, open-minded way of doing offense mm-hmm. and what we're probably going to go with, which is a guy who's going to complete 57% of his passes, throw as many interceptions as touchdowns, and 
and lead the team to another seven and nine record or something. And that's Joe Flacco. Here's what's interesting about this QB class in light of what you just said. And I think it's a great point. So I watched a lot of USC this year. I watched a lot of UCLA. Those are kind of favorite night game teams, if you will. And, you know, I watched a couple Baker Mayfield games and several Lamar Jackson games. And I'll, I'll say this about this whole class. Um, of all those guys, including Josh Allen, who I barely count as being in this class, even though <laughs> he's very much in this quarterback class. Um, Sam Darnold was on a good team, a decent team, and it stayed decent. Um, Josh Rosen was on a mediocre to decent team, and it stayed decent. Lamar Jackson was on a bad team, and he made it like occasionally incredible. Um, you know, they would, they would mm-hmm. burn a Florida state to the ground and you're just like, how did this happen? I granted Florida state's a little down, but still, um, and, and Baker Mayfield, same thing, you know, Oklahoma is a different situation than Louisville, but I mean, I think Baker Mayfield elevated his team. Um, you know, he could take a mediocre to decent team and make it great. And, and I saw some of the same things from Lamar Jackson. So, I mean, if you're making that kind of investment, isn't that what you want? You know, at the end of the day, don't you want a guy who is going to make you great? A guy who can elevate, um, you know, a, a, a middling team and make it relevant. And I think, you know, that's kind of what Cleveland was rolling the dice on. I think that's why Ozzy traded back into the, you know, into the end of this draft to grab Lamar Jackson, which was a bold move, and I and I and I love it, and I think it's going to pay dividends for the Ravens. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're Buffalo this morning, you're excited about Tremaine Edmonds. You know, mm-hmm. great pick, you know, freaky athlete. But how, how are you feeling about Josh Allen? You know, I, I just. Oh, Buffalo fans are talking themselves into him so They're hard. talking themselves into it, which is what you do. They're, you know, right? they're ignoring you... every. His... Oh, I did this with Christian Ponder when the Vikings sure. took him at 12. I did everything in my power to convince myself that, you know, accurate game manager he's smart but, he's cerebral yeah. he you know sneaky over. athletic yeah. no he yeah, just yeah. he was a noodle-armed quarterback who couldn't tell one jersey color from another but uh mm. good luck with that buffalo i feel really bad for the fans and this i think this is another instance where uh the owner fell in love with a player that's what they were saying yeah. on the broadcast last night they're like me and the owner came to his workouts and was enamored i'm like oh that's a terrible sign it is a terrible, terrible like you, sign. You hire people to scout and coach because they know players. You go make billions of dollars. That's your job. Dude, Buffalo and Buffalo has very active ownership. They're very out front. Um, and that almost never works well. You know, that's, a, see, that's usually a... See Jones, comma, Jerry. <laughs> exactly. It's usually a recipe for disaster. Now, Piper, of all the of all the kind of fringe quarterbacks that are left, who do you like the best? Let's talk about that. Uh, none of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like, I mean, there was a, there was a clear class break for me between the top four that yeah. does not include Allen, um, yeah. or is it top three? I think it's top four. And then, uh, and then the rest, I mean, I hear good things about Kyle Loletta. Um, yep. Yep. I don't think Mason Rudolph is any good. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I kind of like, I, they're all sort of like, they would very much sneak up on me if they were, yeah. if they were good. Most definitely. Well, Pipe, let's use that as a bridge into some players who are left on the board who are really, really good football players. And I think all the guys we're about to mention could probably have found their way into the first round in one way or another. Who are some of the guys that are left, Pipe, that you really like? The two that stood out to me that I'm stunned did not go in the first round, especially in light of who people moved up to take, Mm -hmm. are Darius Geis 
from yeah. LSU yeah. um, and Harold Landry from Boston College. Will Hernandez, yeah. Will Hernandez uh, is a third, the guard. Now, I can see yeah. why he didn't go because all the offensive linemen that went in the first round deserve to go in the first round. They were all good players, so sure. it's inevitable that somebody's going to bump down. But the fact that Geis didn't go, and I think he's probably the first or second best running back in the draft. I mean, yeah. Barkley is widely considered to be the first. Geis might be as good. And Landry, I think, is a better pass rusher than uh, – I'm forgetting his, I'm forgetting his name now – the dude who the Saints – moved up to get yeah marcus davenport yeah i think Absolutely. i think uh i think landry's a better player than him so the Dude, fact that those I guys love, are still on the board is a shocker to me it is a shocker i love will hernandez yes and i love how strong this draft is in the interior line man this is such a good center guard draft i mean frank ragnow goes in the first mm-hmm. in the in the first rounds billy price goes in the first rounds obviously quentin nelson uh, great Wynn. great yeah, Isaiah Wynn. What a what a stellar draft for interior linemen. And somebody's going to get a, a starter in Will Hernandez early in the second round. Another guy I like in that position grouping, James Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, center out of Iowa. Dude, I love Iowa linemen. Um, Especially anybody. interior. They, they haven't been awesome at putting tackles out there, yeah. but all their guys are good when they move inside. They're just like big, mean, strong, technically sound guys. Big, mean, strong, technically sound guys who have played in a pro-style offense. They've played with their hand in the dirt. Um, they know how to run block. Uh, I, I love these Iowa kids, man. They're well coached. So speaking of Iowa kids on the other side of the ball, Josh Jackson, cornerback. Uh, I think he represents a great value there in the second round. Um, a guy that I love, Pipe, and I like him even better than Harold Landry. So it's, it's so hard to project edge rushers, yes. right? Because um, you know so many things have to go right to get sacks. A lot of it's predicated on, you know, what kind of what kind of defense you run, how often you're blitzing, uh, what kind of offenses the other teams in your conference run, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a guy I love, man, and I actually watched him a lot this year, uh, is Hercules Mata'afa from Washington State. Um, <laughs> dude, I watch Washington State almost every Saturday night because I love the air raid. And I, I was going to say because you're a big Mike Leach fan. Dude, yeah, I like Mike Leach, man. I do. I, I like him a lot. And this kid, man, just – like flew off the tape at me on the defensive side of the ball. So he's an edge guy at the next level. He's about 6'2", 255, not ideal length and in, in size there, but um, just lived in opposing like, backfields. That's like standard pass rusher size now. Like that's, that, yeah. is, that is a position in the NFL. Like it used to be yeah, absolutely. that if you were a defensive end, you had to be, you know, a small defensive end was what, 270? 270, yeah. And, and then like you, you had these situational pass rushers who were 250 or you were a 3-4 outside linebacker. Now just like outside pass rusher is a position. Absolutely. And this kid, man, so he played in the interior a lot at Washington State. So he was down like kind of shifting around over the, over the nose, over the guards you know, shaded to, you know, to the outside of the guards or whatever. But this is a guy, um, I think he's going to be a heck of a 3-4 outside edge rusher for somebody. And uh, I'll be interested to see where he goes. Nick Chubb, you know, another good running back prospect. Who I am skeptical of Nick Chubb as a professional prospect. Dude, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Nick Chubb thing. Slow running backs don't translate well to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a scheme thing with Nick Chubb. You know, I see, I, I see a lot of... Um, Alfred Morris and Nick Chubb, you know, and I see a guy who can, who can get a thousand yards on the right team. You know, he gets what's blocked. Um, He's not going to light the world on fire like Sony Michelle, you know, he's not going to be a home run hitter, but I I think in the second round, Nick Chubb is a nice running back for a team who needs that kind of a guy. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think he'll be a nice piece I, for somebody. Um, to Darius be, Geis, however. To, to be fair on Chubb, he was an elite athlete until he hurt his knee, I think twice, which yeah. means that he might just he might just need some recovery time. Professional yeah. training staffs tend to be better than college training staffs too. So yep. he might be a steal. You know, he might be a guy who is more Darius Geis than he is, you know, late second round pick. Yeah, absolutely. Piper, this is this is slightly off topic, but uh whose feed of the draft did you watch last night? I, I was stuck watching ESPN's, which is my least favorite. Really? Talk about that. Talk about why it's your least favorite. Uh because because Kirk Herbstreet is an idiot. <laughs> Dude, um, Kirk Herbstreet, who got very florid and, yeah. and old looking, like overnight. Yeah, he looks like a which combination is a- of somebody who uses spray on tans and, and really enjoys martinis. He looks like Earl Bruce, who was his coach at Ohio State. But and I, I this only gives me glee because I've I've been like a lifelong ugly person. So yeah. when I see someone handsome like turning, it, it makes my heart happy. Yeah. But I, um, I, the real reason I dislike ESPN is not any one person. It's the fact that I love the football part of the draft. I love, yeah. you know, the breaking down of the value of picks, the fit of yeah. the pick, the yeah. the value of the trades. And yeah. ESPN is just their their highlights and they're showy and they uh-huh. do this thing where like they all put out their their rankings of players you know so yeah. and then a guy who was like their sixty fifth ranked player goes at the twenty fifth pick and they all praise mm-hmm. him oh yeah like, that absolutely seems, that seems really odd to me I'm like why don't you point out that forty guys you thought were better than him dude that's something I noticed about the draft coverage last night so I watched the first half of the first rounds. Uh, on the Fox feed at a buddy's house, and then I watched the the, the back end of the first round at my own house. And um, dude, nobody calls bull, like like no nobody calls a bad pick a bad pick anymore. Right? Um, like, dude, there were some famously head scratching, just ridiculous picks in that and first round. Some bad round trades, last or at least one or two bad trades. trades. Some terrible picks, and nobody's nobody's saying it anymore. Right? I mean, I think it's become such a cozy sort of media culture in which. You know, every everybody's scratching everyone's back at all times. Like, you know, no one's saying the hard thing, dude. I remember when, I remember when Mel Kiper took the Colts to the woodshed uh, in like the early '90s, and I forget the player who it was even over. Um, it might have been Jeff George. It might have been the Quentin Coriat draft. I can't remember for the Colts, but um, but anyway, Kiper took them to the woodshed, and there there was there were definitely some like woodshed potential moments last night that nobody was saying i was shocked um so yeah first half of the of the evening i was stuck with mike mayock um who's knowledgeable i think but yeah. supremely aggravating and <laughs> um you know I, I think i'd rather be locked in a room with mel kuyper than you, mike you know what you know what's refreshing is what? listening to the ringer nfl podcast after the draft so i listened to it first thing this morning it was sort of like yeah. while i was getting the kids ready for school and uh and mike lombardi I love Mike Lombardi. Has no problem just gunning down stuff he thinks is dumb. Exactly. I love he, that too. He pulls no punches and he yep. doesn't beat around the bush. It's fantastic. So, yes, I felt refreshed after that. I felt like I had scrubbed away some of the smarm of the night before. Dude, some of the smarm, some of the syrupy PR nonsense from yeah. last night. Dude, here's an idea. I feel like the ringer should do they should do some kind of streamable draft commentary. Um, that can run live during the draft so that we can put ESPN or Fox on mute um, and just listen to like Robert Mays and Mike Lombardi and, and yeah, Tate Frazier. Yeah, work, work with like That'd HBO Sports to do that. I suppose they, prob- they probably have to have some sort of NFL rights to do that. Some sort of NFL ES- draft ESPN rights. and Fox could do yeah. it. But 
Right. Because it's you know it's an NFL league thing. But yeah, that would be great. Dude, that'd be bananas. I would I would listen to that all day long. Um, all right, pipe. We we've kind of we've kind of teased this a little bit, but let's talk about some head scratchers. Let's talk about some picks where you were just like, you know, what what are people even doing with that pick? Um, there were a couple for me. I know you've got a couple, so lay them on me. All right, I'm going to start with one that uh, is probably not a popular one, and that is the Giants taking Saquon Barkley. Oh, interesting, man. Yes, let's I, have this conversation. If the Giants were picking at 23, great. Uh-huh. If the Giants were picking at 14, fine. If the Giants were picking in, at 8, uh, yeah. maybe. But at yeah. number 2, he's yeah. a running back. Running backs don't move the needle in the NFL. They, they're, they're a valuable piece of an offense, but the Giants suck. That's why they have the number two pick. I think yeah. it just doesn't make sense to me why they took him. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott did not yeah. make the Cowboys a great team in his rookie year. Their offensive line did. Yeah. And he yeah. benefited from it. And and the, the Giants don't have that, and they're expecting him to have the same effect. Like it just that's a bonkers pick to me. It makes so little sense to me. Dude, see, I kind of like it, and here's why: if they hadn't taken Saquon Barkley, they would have taken Bradley Chubb, who I think is an even riskier proposition. Oh, really? So okay, I do. I yeah, might, I mean, I, I probably think differently about him because because he's not just a pass rusher; like he's a full, solid, like you yeah. know, four down defensive end. Yeah, he's a real defensive lineman who can do real defensive lineman things. I agree, but you know, you don't spend a you don't spend a number two overall pick on a guy who's solid. You know, you're not looking for Chris Long right there, who's you know who can set the edge and get you six sacks. And you know, not that Bradley Chubb will be that unremarkable, but he could be. You know, we've we've seen it before. Um, I think it was a head scratcher for me that um, that John Elway passed on a quarterback to take Bradley Chubb. Uh, I thought for sure Elway <laughs> it's was funny. Pull I like that one. Yeah, it's interesting, man. And and I like Saquon Barkley. I I really do. I look at Saquon Barkley in much the same way. And, and people will dispute this. Mike Lombardi would would take me to the woodshed for this. But um, you know, Lombardi thinks that uh, Jacksonville probably should have drafted Deshaun Watson last year. I mean, anybody should have. He was sensational. Right. But I think for what they were trying to do, getting Leonard Fournette. Um, it changed the culture in their building offensively such that they were able to have an offense. You know, yeah. they were Fournette was able to elevate a middling offensive line. Um, and they were to put they were able to put together an offense to to pair with a dominant defense. Now the the Giants are in a different place. Um, but I think Barkley is a you know, a Todd Gurley esque. I think he's a, a Leonard Fournette esque uh move the needle type of player. And I, and I actually think it was a good pick for them. But here's and so here's the thing about both of those guys that you just mentioned. I mentioned Ezekiel yeah. Elliott. Every single running back that, you, that we just mentioned, all three yeah. of those great young running backs, and I will say yep. they are great. I think Barkley is going to be a phenomenal player. This is not a knock on him. It's a knock sure, on the, sure, sure. the value of the running back position. Yeah. Is that Gurley was great as a rookie for a yeah. not very good team. Then he yeah. was not very good. Then they completely changed their system, had a and a very good defense and a – an excellent offensive system, and then he became borderline MVP. Yeah, and and Ezekiel Elliott, as a rookie, came in and played behind the best offensive line in football that year, played far and away the best, and yeah, and uh, led the league in rushing. Year yeah. two, had some offensive line injuries. Quarterback would, was not as good, and and the team declined dramatically. And so I just look at it, and I'm like, a running back doesn't move the needle. 
in the same way, even if they're a really good offensive player. The thing that I heard about the Giants and part of what made this pick so a head scratcher was that they turned down a number of trade offers people offering dude that's the thing multiple first rounders to them for that pick if they could have slid back even slid back 12 or 13 spots and picked up additional first rounders absolutely that's what that team needs because they have no depth anywhere yeah i'm with you on that they've got roster problems man they've got they've got enough roster problems that you know saquon barkley's greatness isn't gonna isn't gonna cover all of it so uh, I am with you on that. Piper, another, I mean, obviously, Josh Allen is the ultimate head scratcher for both of us. I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time yeah. on that one. But, dude, the first one that really, really jumped out at me was Mike McGlinchey at nine to San Francisco. Um, okay. All, all I've been hearing about this draft is that there's no elite tackles. And maybe there's not even a first round tackle in this draft. Um, and they pass on a lot of good players. To grab a guy out of Notre Dame who might be good, you know, he he might be a good NFL offensive tackle. It just seemed like a reach to me. Uh, it seemed like one of those picks that, you know, it's funny. We we think about last year's draft and we think that um, we think that John Lynch fleeced the Bears and had this incredible draft. But you look at last year's draft. Solomon Thomas sucked. Um, you know, the linebacker might be in jail. Um, and now it, it's a big reach for Mike McGlinchey. You know, I'm not so sure the body of work for John Lynch is as you know great as we yeah. probably felt about it last year. What, I, what did you think of that one? I was, I thought it was fine. I think he was clearly the best tackle in the draft, and yeah. and tackle is a little bit like quarterback in mm-hmm. that in that if you can find somebody who can start for several years, you know, so be yeah. a a quality NFL starter, so not Pro sure. Bowl, just quality, like, right the value of that is more valuable than just, it's almost irreplaceable. Dude, right. So you're getting it, even if you're getting a Nate Solder type right, right there, so, I mean, and, and I, you feel I, good about it. I saw this with the Vikings last year, like two years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. horrific offensive line. They go out and sign Mike Remmers and uh, who's the other guy? I forget. Yeah. I forget because he's a mediocre offensive lineman and, yeah. and it transformed their team to uh-huh. have two just NFL quality starters. To, yeah. to plug in and all of a sudden they could run the ball some and they could pass the ball some and and so I think for the for the Niners it makes a lot of sense. I think the other thing is that once you get outside like the top seven, mm-hmm. elite stops being an issue. You yeah, know, it's a little it's, bit of a dice a dice throw there anyway. You, I think you want starters. Was you're not great... look, yeah, you want starters yeah. at that point. If you're in the top seven and you draft somebody, like that's where you overdraft. Yeah, I agree. I mean I, I look at who was there and I'm like, man, they could have Tremaine Edmonds. They could have had Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, there were some, there were some dudes yeah. left there when James was left. Roquan I mean, Smith. Were, yeah, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. He went right before them. Yeah. Roquan Smith went right before that, but okay. So, so let's work backward a little bit pipe. Can we talk about Cleveland's number four pick? Because I have a feeling that I liked it and you didn't. Um, I, okay. So I did not like it cause it felt like a need pick. Yep. Not because I don't like the player. Yeah, I he's yeah. another one of those guys who I'm like, if he went between picks eight and twenty, yep. it would be a you great, great fit. About it. at four, yeah. it feels like a reach. Especially because they could have put Bradley Chubb across from Miles Garrett and had that yeah. that really good they could have put Quentin Nelson in there. They need some mm-hmm. O line help. They have a decent O line, mm-hmm. but Joe Thomas mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. And that's gonna affect their whole O line. You know, they they yeah. could have had Roquan Smith, they could have had Minka Fitzpatrick. Yep. They, yep. And and so I, I think 
And he wasn't clear clearly the number one corner in the draft. He was one of the top two or three. Sure. So sure. I didn't love it because it felt like they, they had a need and they, they reached for it instead of yeah. drafting best talent. And I think that's what they should have done is draft best talent. I hear you, man. I mean, I, I, love, I love a high corner pick. Um, I just like that. I like investing there. Uh, I like Ohio State defensive backs. Um, yeah, you know, they, I like, they've had a really good history. In the they've last had a good run, man. They've had a really, really good run. So, And as much as I like Minka Fitzpatrick, and I do, you know, he's sort of a jack of all trades, master of none. And they already have a guy like that in Jabril Peppers who, you know, the hype on Jabril Peppers was, oh, he plays 14 positions. But I think last year proved that he, in a sense, he played zero positions. So, right. Well, that's, and that's um, true. Any any player who is a, you know, a multi-positional player in college usually means it's going to take them a while to figure out what one position they're good at in the pros. With the exception, it, I think that's Derwin it. James is an exception because safeties yeah. are more versatile. Absolutely. And Derwin James, you know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, you're getting a... You're getting an alpha. You're getting a big physical safety. He would have been a great pick to the Browns. Oh, he would have been. He would have been. I know, man. I know it. He, you know, he took a slide that surprised me. Um, you know, I think he's a great value there to to Los Angeles at 17. But let's mm-hmm. let's talk about some more head scratchers uh, because I have a I have at least one more. Uh, I'll lay it on you now. Number 15, John Gruden, Oakland Raiders <laughs> takes Colton Miller, yeah. offensive tackle, UCLA. This one shocked the h out of me pipe because there were a lot of good dudes left on the board and they have a lot of they have a lot of needs yep yeah and and so when you combine a lot of needs with a lot of good players it means you can basically take best player available and they took best at a position available man they they took a reach on colton miller so colton miller i was just looking through pre-draft stuff from even a few months ago he was projected as like a fourth round pick before the combine fourth fifth round Goes to the combine, lights it up athletically. He's got, you know, very unique height, length, you know, kind of stuff going on, which you can't teach, obviously. But um, UCLA stunk. They were really bad. Yeah. Um, they, they couldn't run the ball. They didn't run the ball. Um, you know, there was nothing about the Colton Miller UCLA experience he, that just He did not have to block elite pass rushers because he did. the pack, whatever they are now, 12, 10, 8, yeah. whatever, they don't play any defense. Yeah, yeah, they're they're becoming very Big Twelve like in that regard. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. This one, this one, I did not get any other first round head scratchers for you, pipe. Yeah, the uh, pick number twenty five. <laughs> okay, Baltimore taking Hayden Hurst. Fascinating. I got, fascinating. It, Talk about that. Hayden Hurst is a classic late second round. Yeah, six year starter. In the right. NFL, you know, or tenure starter, like he's he's going to be a fine player, right? But at twenty five for a team who has no offensive talent and has limited Correct. defensive depth, Correct. that's just and it, they, Ozzy Ozzy loves his tight ends. Yeah, he does. And, he does. He sure does. You Dude, know, and he missed on one a couple years ago. He mixed. He missed on uh, Max, Max Williams, Williams out of Minnesota. Out of Minnesota. Yep. Who? And I think that was an injury thing in part. Max yeah. blew his knee out. I think early on. But like, yeah, yeah, he he drafts these big, measurable, white, slow tight ends, <laughs> and he, you know, he's looking for who was it? Todd Heap. He's looking for yeah. So they had Todd Heap, and then they had Dennis Pitta, who it was just sort of an odd tight end, and then they had yeah. Ed. Uh, what was it? Ed Moore. Ed. What's his face? Yeah, um, no, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they, uh, they, they've had so many tight ends, none of whom are elite. And dude, see, I feel like Mike Gesicki is closer to Todd Heap 
if that's what you're looking for. Well, you know, Mike Kosicki out of Penn State, Mike still Kisicki in the fourth. Mike Kosicki is going to make plays that you're like, wow, not a lot of guys can yeah. make that play. Hayden Hurst is going to make the plays. You know who he is? He's Kyle Rudolph. I agree. Yeah, he's Kyle, a Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph has Rudolph. been a Dude, fine that's the ceiling player. for him. Yeah. yeah, that's the ceiling. And you can tell this by looking at him, and that's what I don't get. Like, if you're going to— Dude, he's Anthony Fasano, you know? <laughs> yes. I mean, which— yeah, you're you're excited about Anthony Fasano if you grab him in the third round, but not in the first. I mean, you Calvin know? Calvin Ridley went one pick later, and, yeah. and Sony Michelle, like any of these guys who like anybody who can break a play, who can get Correct. open, it just yeah. that one confused the everything out of me. I did not get that pick. Yeah, I really didn't either, man. I really, really didn't either. That was that was one that jumped out as, at, at me as well as as being a real head scratcher. Now. Uh, let's let's flip it pipe and let's go a little bit more positive. Let's talk about the sneaky best picks in the first round. Picks you picks you really like that were really sneaky. Um, that that you just thought this is a this is a great pick. Um, I I can get us started actually. Right. I don't know if either of what either of these picks that I'm about to say qualify as sneaky, but um, I think by moving back a little bit and still getting Quentin Nelson. Um, the Indianapolis Colts may have had the best night of of any team last night. Um, you know, they're they're another team whose roster is just a semi pro mess at this point. Um, but to take the guy who's probably the best player in the draft and who may get you ten Pro Bowls, um, that was a that was a big time pick for them. Um, Roquan Smith dropping into the lap of Chicago as a Bears fan, I love it. Um, as, as a Vikings fan, I was not happy with that because I think he's yeah. a really good player. But I can so, tell you, after having lived in Chicago for 12 years, he he is going to light up Soldier Field, and fans are going to yeah. love that guy. They are, man. They appreciate defense. They love a good linebacker in Chicago. I think they're going to love him. But I'm not sure either of those qualify as sneaky good picks, Pipe. What, yeah, I think, uh, what I think those at? are like they, – they, they swung at a fat pitch down the middle and hit a double. Like just, they didn't they, screw it up. Yep, yeah, they did they exactly what they should. So yeah. I, I thought now, you know, all hail the victors and you know the rich get richer. I thought what New England did in the draft oh, was so I good. I couldn't agree more. And here's oh, and here's why. Like the, masterful. The players they took, I think, are really really good. Isaiah Wynn and uh, and Sony Michelle. Both of them, they're great fits. They're yep. smart players. They're great players. Yep. But what they did, so we were talking a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was last one, about are they going to try to start, you know, essentially building for Tom Brady's departure or loading up for Tom Brady to make another run? They yeah. did both. I know. I know. It was did, so masterful. Because if, if uh, Tom, so Isaiah Wynn's going to keep Tom Brady healthy this year, well, yeah. be part of the line that does for a, a, an offensive, needy team. Yeah. And if Brady retires in two years, they still have this guy at interior offensive line yeah. for another four, five, six, seven years after. Sony Michelle, yep. same thing. You know, if Brady retires in two years, they still have an explosive playmaker on the yeah. roster to to support whatever quarterback replaces him. They man, they just they owned the draft. They did they did Dude, they absolutely job. owned the draft. And yeah, I love it. I, I think I texted you after the Isaiah Wynn pick. It felt very Logan Mankinsey. Yep. Which to me is a huge compliment because I love that player. Oh yeah. And um dude, I don't think they've had a back as explosive as Sony Michelle in New England since Belichick and Brady have been there. You know, I mean they they've gotten it done with a lot of you know, I say second tier, but these are dudes that I liked. I mean, I, I love LeGarrette Blunt. I love Corey Dillon. Yeah, and a um, lot of a lot of end of career guys like Corey Dillon. Yeah, you yeah, know, they had the they yeah. they tried 
they drafted Lawrence Maroney high, and he didn't amount to much. He had one or two okay years. Yeah. Oh, can speaking of running backs, we this yeah. head scratcher. Let's go yep. back one question. Rashad Penny let's to Seattle. It. Yeah. Yep. I mean, um, especially given the running backs who went behind him and yeah. all of their other needs, that one, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing is, I watched the tape of Rashad Penny, and I like big backs. I like explosive big backs. Um, he checks a lot of boxes, but at that point, why not? I mean, why not pull that trigger on Darius guys? Yeah, who makes a lot more sense there and is available and is you know, essentially the same guy in terms of being big and explosive and physical and, you know, finishing runs and doing all those things that you allegedly like about Rashad Penny. Um, head scratcher. Now, you know, it fills a need. Um, obviously, their their run game was a mess last year, so they had to do something there. Their but, run game but, yeah. was a mess because they have the worst offensive line. I mean, they're just... Yeah. it they Because they, they heavily invested in running backs in last year's draft. I mean, it was yeah. like second through fourth rounds, but... Sure. They they had a bad old line and Penny's not going to fix that. So, I mean, I yeah. I don't think he'll be a bad player. Again, calling it a bad pick, calling it a bad pick doesn't mean he's a bad player, it just means that was a bad value. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally totally agree. Um What other picks other, what other picks did you love? Kind of sneaky sneaky good picks. Dude, I'll tell you. Like I I still am friends with a lot of Detroit people and Michigan people. Detroit people in general, I think didn't like the Frank Ragnow pick center out of Arkansas. I liked it. Um, there are a lot of ways in which the Lions have screwed up the draft in not only recent years, but in the last 20 years by kind of going for flashier, sexier draft choices. But I think Ragnow is going to be a really, really good interior lineman yeah. for them. Um, again, did a lot of pro style stuff at Arkansas that I think is going to translate. Um, here's a pick that I loved, man. I loved our hometown Tennessee Titans um, taking Rashawn Evans at 22. Uh, I just felt like, you know, getting that guy right there, um, they didn't give up a lot to to move up and get him. I think they wanted to leapfrog New England who loves Alabama linebackers and, <laughs> and probably would have grabbed him. Um, I like that pick a lot, man. I think he's really good. I think he's almost Roquan Smith type good. And, um, you know, he makes their defense a lot better immediately. Yeah, I I didn't I, – I think he's – I think the thing that stands out about him, and just even just watching his highlights, he's he's a different athlete than most of the guys in the first round. You know, all these guys yeah, are elite athletes in their own right. But yep. he stood out as, oh, he's faster and more explosive than everyone else on the field. And yeah. the Titans lacked that on in the front seven on their defense. Yeah. So that's a good one. I thought I thought the DJ Moore pick to the Panthers was a really good one too. Dude, I kind of liked it, man. I, I wasn't real thrilled about any of the receivers in this draft, but DJ Moore goes to a good situation. You know, he doesn't have to be the, you know, the alpha dog in anybody's receiving yeah. core there in Carolina. And I thought, uh, I thought the Calvin nice Ridley piece. pick was good too. I think I think the thing that made the receiver picks good was that neither of them were over. Neither of the first round receivers were over drafted. Dude, right? Yeah, you don't like either of them any higher than than they went necessarily. Ridley could have gone a little higher. Yeah, Baltimore should have taken Ridley, obviously, but. Um, yeah, where he goes, man, my goodness, he gets to, you know, he gets to stay in the South. He gets to work alongside Julio Jones. He gets with to the, work with an elite quarterback. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, what a what a situation if you're Calvin Ridley. You know, you love that. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was both of those guys are great because both of them are in situations where they have elite quarterbacks, um, an established offense, and good other skill position players. Which means that it's not like they're going to be that 
option one A because that's really hard for rookie receivers. Yeah. Ridley, Ridley, I think, is gonna he's gonna open some eyes this year because he's also kind of the perfect counterpart to Julio Jones because he's more of a he's a get open guy. He's a route yeah. runner. He's yeah. not a you know he's not a, a big monster. Deep he's not, he's not a win with his body type guy. Like and they uh, like they Julio. haven't had a good a good guy like that that mm. I can remember. Yeah, no, I know it, man. I know it. Let me give you another sneaky one that I love, and this one goes into the probably the category of rich get richer as well. Taven Bryan, defensive tackle out of Florida, goes to Jacksonville, um, where he joins an already like freakishly talented front seven. Uh, I like this player, man. This guy is a bull in a china shop. Um, lives in the opposing team's backfield. Big, strong kid. Um, reminds me of an old school kind of Dan Hampton, Steve McMichael type. Uh, defensive tackle, the likes of which we haven't seen yeah. much lately. I mean, the the trend there has either been like huge fatties, you know, kind of just huge two gappers, yeah. or the occasional like you know Gerald McCoy freak of nature type dude, type of dude. But uh, I think this is a really good player, man. I think Jacksonville's going to get better. Um, I didn't know. Gonna... T- I, I'm I hadn't seen Taven Bryan play. You know, yeah. I, he's not a guy I looked at, but his. The thing that stood out to me about him from the highlights is watching him go out of a four-point stance. I haven't seen somebody go out of a four-point stance since our undersized nose guard in high school. <laughs> Dude, that, I love it. It just made me laugh. I was like, I, I didn't know people still did. I didn't know coaches still coach that. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought it was kind of fun. What is it about undersized high school nose guards? You know what I mean? That's that's such a thing. Um, and they all have a certain personality profile, I think, Oh, yeah, too. They, and usually they're wrestlers, too. Yeah, yeah, they're usually wrestlers. They're usually a little, like... Not all there in some way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, usually have a little bit of body odor. Well, yeah, but that, we, that might be all wrestlers. Any, let's be fair. That's true. Pipe. Any other sneaky great picks here in the in the first round for you? I mean, I feel like we've talked about almost everybody. Um, uh, I mean, I thought the Terrell Edmonds pick to the Steelers was one of the most random weird ones in the draft. I didn't totally get yeah. that one. I the the Packers. I'm loath to give them any praise, but moving uh-huh. back in the draft, yeah, picking up extra picks, and then taking who was generally considered to be the best corner in the draft, yep, um, that was a really good move by them. Yeah, no, I hear and you. And and one that I I heard uh, I think it was I think it was Lombardi pointing this out. Not a move that Ted Thompson would have made. He didn't yeah. move around in the draft, but their new GM, whose name I can't remember, uh, did, and I think it. You know he. He set him up. That's a little scary to me because I liked it when the mm-hmm. Packers didn't sign free agents and didn't move around in the draft. Dude, seriously, seriously. All right, Pipe, last topic real quick. Let's talk about Leighton Vander Esch's potential as, as Great White Hope. So <laughs> Leighton, Leighton Vander Esch. Because you, you know that's what Jerry Jones is hoping for. Most definitely. Out of Boise State, this year's Great White Hope, this year's next Brian Urlacher. Um, do, you, do you buy it or not? I think he's going to be a really good pro. He is not Brian Erlacher. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. just Erlacher was a strong safety who bulked up to 250 pounds. Vander Esch is, a, is an athletic linebacker. Yeah. I yeah, thought I thought it was a good pick and just, like, just sort of one of those solid, it was a need. He was a player who was drafted at about the right level um, for a team that has very little athleticism or talent on their defense, or at least not a lot of depth. Yeah, it was a great pick. I just, I, I agree. It's it was a very non-Jerry pick, though. He loves the splash player, and this is not a splash yeah. pick. This is just a solid pick. 
It is. It's a solid pick. I was kind of low key rooting for Vander Esch to be there when the Titans picked, but I'm I'm actually thrilled with who uh, with who the Titans got. So yeah, I think the Titans um, the Titans got the guy who has more variance. Like yeah, Evans could be a washout. I think it's unlikely. Or he could be one of the top five linebackers in the league. Vander Esch will never be a washout unless he gets yeah. injured, and he'll never be a top ten linebacker. That's it, man. Yeah, yeah. The window is the window is definitely smaller there. Pipe, we have uh, we have done what we often do on this program, which is wander to and fro throughout these topics. And I have to uh, I have to tell you about um, rounds two and three tonight. Um, in their infinite wisdom, my sons. Uh, Classical school has scheduled uh, their play, their high school spring play for tonight. So I'm going to be streaming the draft um, on my phone while I watch Much Ado About Nothing. Um, so if I'm a little slow on the text, that's why, man. But uh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pray for a, a fast performance and uh, hope to get us home in plenty of time to enjoy whatever's left of the draft. And my daughter, one of my daughters has swim practice that would end at the perfect time for me to get home, plant myself in my recliner and turn on it, turn on the the draft, except that my other daughter has her dance class pictures tonight, right Uh, as the draft begins, which means that I will be carrying 44 floofy costumes into this church community center to listen to bad CCM while they go take Mm. pictures and, Thank of course God, you will. Thank God for sling on my phone so I can watch ESPN while that happens. Absolutely. Pipe, what great fathers we are. You know? I mean, really. That's it's really the, who the sa- And who says men can't multitask? Absolutely, man. We're gonna be uh we're gonna be multitasking like champs tonight. And uh we hope you've enjoyed this. We uh we certainly have enjoyed recording it. Um we love all things NFL draft. And uh until next time. Who's our Who's our name, Pipe? I think you need to go Leighton Vander Esch. I was looking at that. Until next time, Leighton Vander Esch. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.